0: Welcome to the Give this Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Kai. This podcast is sponsored by the GPS Island Program, which Forbes has stated helps entrepreneurs become professional speakers. For more information, go to ChristopherKai.com. Our guest today is Sean Schwanner. He's a philanthropist, author, and keynote speaker. Sean, welcome to our podcast. Hey, Christopher.
1: Thanks so much. Grateful to be here.
0: So your life and your story is really inspiring, especially since you climbed literally the highest point on earth, Mount Everest, it's 29,029 feet, and you did it, and so just kind of share with us your your journey about being a mountaineer.
1: Wow, well, I've actually been really fortunate and blessed with my life. uh, I'm the only person in history to ever climb Mount Everest. I've also climbed the highest mountain on every continent. I skied to both the North and South Poles, and I completed the World Championship Hawaii Ironman Triathlon, And I did that all after two terminal cancers, a prognosis of three months to live, 14 days to live. I was in a coma for a year of my life, and I only have one functioning lung. So to say I look at the world from a a different perspective would probably be an understatement, but I've I've turned my story into an empowering journey for people to understand how they can become unstoppable.
0: Yeah, that's great. And you've clearly been doing this for some time, and I appreciate that because you have a level of conciseness and brevity because it's so powerful to be... Brief in what you say. Now, let's rewind your life a little bit about some of the challenges you had earlier on because I'm always curious about the transitions, the you know, how you got to where you are now. So it's great to say, hey, great job, Sean, of being on the zone and doing these things. But let's rewind that a bit back and, and tell us about some of those more challenging times because I really want the listeners to know and understand and, and learn from you, frankly, on how you dealt with some of these things on a day to day level.
1: Oh, for sure. You know, let's, let's go back to when I was uh, when I was 13 years old, 1988. And if anybody's quick at math, I can figure out how old I am. Uh, let's go back. And I was, I was three months into the first treatment for the first cancer. And I remember waking up in the morning and looking off to my left side and seeing my pillow just covered in hair. And I knew it was inevitable. I knew I was going to lose my hair because of the medicine, but I, I didn't know it was all going to come out at once. And I remember running to the bathroom and looking into the mirror, trying to comb over my hair, maybe thinking maybe I could stop it from falling out. Maybe I could uh, prevent it from, from just all of it coming out of my head. But I knew it was inevitable. So I went into the shower and I, I turned the shower on. And, and this time around, it, it felt weird. It wasn't like the water was hitting my, my hair and then going down to my scalp. It was just hitting my scalp. And every time I brought my hands down from, from washing my head, they were literally covered in hair. And I remember, like it was yesterday, I collapsed to the shower floor. I was 60 pounds overweight, bald from head to toe, crying my eyeballs out. And I was pulling chunks of hair out of the drain just so the water could go down. But at the same time, you know, I was getting ready for school and I was thinking, well, what are my friends doing? You know, at the this, at this same moment when I'm fighting for my life, Jerry across the street, two houses down, say... And one of my best friends. He was probably worried about the nicest shoes, the nicest hairstyles, the nicest clothes. I was literally worried about waking up the next morning because there were some times I went to bed not knowing if I was going to wake up or not. So it was also in that same moment when I I had kind of an epiphany and I I looked at life a little bit differently and I decided I didn't want to focus on not dying. I wanted to focus on living, you know, and I decided that if I could change my perspective and shift my perspective, I could see a lot more of the world and I could see more potential as opposed to the obstacles. So I think at 13 years old, you know, I, I decided I made a choice and I decided that I wanted to live and not focus on not dying. I wanted to focus on something positive as opposed to the avoidance of something negative.
0: That is so powerful. Sure. Now, do you feel that that was like your internal dialogue or it was your mom or dad or your sister or brother? I mean, did they kind of like say, hey, you know, you're going to get through this or it was just your own sojourn, frankly?
1: I think it was, it was a combination. You know, everyone always asks if I got over the, uh, the cancers, um, was it modern medicine? Was it family support? Was it prayer? Was it the inner will? Was it something else? I think it was kind of like um, the perfect storm, but in a good way. So it all came together. And I'm sure my parents instilled in me, I was born and raised in a small town in Ohio. So I have those those morals and ethics that everyone thinks of when they think of, uh, you know, a a quote unquote classic Midwestern boy. Um, I, I grew up with those morals and I grew up with those ethics. And I think my parents instilled in me from a young age that I didn't have to be the best. I had to be my best. And I was constantly pushing myself. And I learned that also through sports as well. Um, before I was diagnosed with with the first cancer, even, even the second cancer, I was a competitive swimmer, and I ran track, and in high school, I even pole vaulted, so I think I constantly enjoyed pushing myself a little bit further and a little bit further. I loved the challenge of it all, and I think that was instilled uh, through my mom and my dad to push myself to become better than I was yesterday.
0: Interesting. So you didn't just go through cancer once. Went through cancer twice. So like if that's what you dealt with when you went through the first time, I mean, was it harder, less harder, or like what, what was your feeling the second time around?
1: You know, the second time around it was very different. I was older. I was 16, almost 17 years old. Uh, The first time around, I didn't really understand what I was going through. You know, at at 13, I don't think anyone truly understands life. And I mean, even now, I don't think anyone really understands life. But at 16, I had a better concept of uh, the ramifications of of what could potentially happen. And it was different then because I was more aware. I was more self-aware of what I was going through. So I I, I was more in tune with what my friends were were worried about. Uh, Not that I was worried about that. But the second time around, I think it was much worse because I knew what I went through the first time. I sure as hell didn't want to
0: do it again. Wow. And did you use the same strategy or perspective, meaning, look, I, 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 I want to live and not like focus on, oh, when I'm going to die? Like, was the similar things or did you do other things differently the second time around?
1: I think it was the same thing. I, I, I'm a huge believer uh, in, in the mind-body connection. And I do a lot of visualization and I I did the visualization for uh, both the cancers. I also do it for my speaking. I also do it for the mountaineering and the adventures. Um, I I even tested it uh, once before uh, I ran the uh, New York City Marathon. I didn't didn't train at all. Um, You know, I've not run a number of marathons before that. So my body and my muscles knew what I was getting into, but I didn't train at all for the New York City Marathon one time I ran it. And I just trained my mind for weeks leading up to it. And I finished the race without any cramps, without anything. So there's a, there's a definite connection bef- between the mind and the body. And if you're focused on something that you're trying to avoid, it's probably still what you're going to get. It's just like climbing Everest. I, I wasn't telling myself, don't fall, don't, don't die. I, told, I was telling myself to continue forward, to keep climbing. And with every step, I told myself, the higher I go, the stronger I get. And that's the same way through
0: life. That's a great way to put it because I, like you, am a big, 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 big believer in visualization. From every single stage I walk on, I always visualize me being there, smiling, seeing the crowd, and it's so important because it's these habits that we have. So, for you going back to Mount Everest, again, I, I always say to my friends and colleagues and clients, where mountaineering is like the perfect analogy because there's seven summits in the world. You literally climb the tallest, but. We all have different summits. I personally have zero interest in climbing physical mountains, but I have a lot of interest <laughs> in writing a book or starting a company or creating a nonprofit. But again, all of us have these summits, whether physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. And for you, you've chosen to do the physical. So I'm curious. Again, it's really during those those tough times. But for you, when you talk about visualization, I mean, is there a certain thing you do, or you walked through being up there, or can you kind of elaborate on that aspect of your thought process? Yeah,
1: absolutely. From from the moment we're born, we, we all have a challenge. We all have an uphill battle. We all have an uphill climb. And I think what what separates those who are standing at the top from those who are looking at looking at the summit from base camp is the fact that for me, every time I go up a mountain, like you, you know, every time I go onto a stage, I picture a standing ovation, I picture the smiles, I picture the cheers, I picture all that stuff. But for the summit of a mountain, I incorporate Every sense that I have, all five senses, so that way when I get there in my mind, I'm already successful. In that way, whenever I'm uh, approached with something that that's that's that I'm struggling with, something that's holding me back, you know, an obstacle per se, um, in my mind's eye, I've already accomplished what I set out to accomplish, and that little setback is never enough to stop me. It's never enough to intimidate me. And I learn through those those obstacles and see them as opportunities to become stronger. And I think it all boils down to just a certain mindset that you have to tap into to understand that your, your limitless potential begins at the end. And if you use all five senses and you make it real, you tap into your emotions and those emotions then tap into your subconscious, which help you accomplish anything you want.
0: Yeah, and in your case, you've been doing this for, for quite some time now, and like all things, like we're talking about muscle memory and, and habits, and, and it's just, it's, again, it's very inspiring what you do, and I, I continue to, to look forward to seeing some of your other summits that you climb. So how can our guests stay in touch with you, Sean, and learn more about you, learn more about your, your books? Well,
1: that's, that's the easiest question you've asked so far. <laughs> just go to seanswanner.com, S-E-A-N-S is <laughs> Sean S-E-A-N-S in Sam, W-A-R-N-E-R.com.
0: Great. Again, Sean, thanks for inspiring us and our audience around the world. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to our Gifters podcast. If you want to turn your story into a successful speaking or coaching business, go to ChristopherKai.com for details.